We've called it the fullness of time, and that's really, I believe, prophetically, that's the time that we are in. We are in the fullness of time awaiting the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, on London, on UK, on Europe, that I believe God has promised and God is bringing. And we've seen some of the birth pains of that happening around London and the UK, uh, but I, I, you know, I still sense that uh, the major outpouring is still to come. And so it's about preparing ourselves for that. So we begin uh, here in reading, uh, Paul is writing to Timothy, uh, whom he set in Ephesus, and uh, who worked closely with Paul. And he says this, starting in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. And then to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as with that of those two men. And then skipping down to chapter 4, starting with verse 1. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead by his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry." May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Sorry about that. So this guy goes to the doctor. He's kind of embarrassed here. And he says, Doc, uh, I've got a bit of a problem. And I'm, I'm really embarrassed by this. But 
I've been passing wind a lot. I mean, a lot. Uh, just, I mean, it feels like it's almost constant. You know, the, the only thing about it is that, thankfully, it doesn't smell and you can't hear it. It's kind of silent and doesn't smell anything. Uh, and, you know, Doc, even while I've been in here, you know, I've done it five, six times. Doctor said, hmm, that's an interesting situation. Well, here, let me write you out a prescription. You take this prescription and see me again in two weeks. So the man took the prescription. He went off and he came back and, and he said, Doc, I don't know what you did, but now I, I, it smells terrible. I mean, it's not even any better at all. It just really, oh, it's terrible. The only thing is you can't hear it, you know, so it's just, but it's awful. What did you do to me? And the doctor said, well, that's good. Now that we fixed your sense of smell, we're going to work on your sense of hearing. <laughs> uh, we kind of, we, we get surprised a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, many times I talk to women, they get married, and they're, they're like, after they get married, they've been married for about a year or something like that, they come and they say, you know, my, my husband smells. Do you know one of the most common complaints that women in the United Kingdom have? I, I read this. Well, the most common complaint, or one of the top two, is that men pass wind. Did you know that? that that's one of the, the most common. What did you expect, ladies? It's, you know, like this biological thing that happens. And there's so many things like this that happen in our lives, in our relationships, that we're surprised about and we get offended by when actually we shouldn't be surprised at all. You know, there, there are certain things. You know, sometimes we, we get a cold and we don't feel well. And then we get angry because we get a cold. Well, if you're around a lot of sick people and you're not washing your hands and you're not getting enough rest, sometimes you're going to get sick no matter what you do. And sometimes even if you do your best, like I've been doing before I got sick, uh, you're going to get sick. I mean, these kinds of things happen. And yet people get surprised by them and offended by them. And one of the most common complaints that I've heard in 30 years of ministry has to do with people complaining about other people in the church. And they say, well, you know, they don't behave right. Uh, they don't act right. They're not as loving as I think they should be. Uh, I was sick and, and they didn't get a prophetic word that I was sick and come visit me. Uh, I know I didn't call them, but, you know, they should have just known, you know, if they're spiritual people, they should have come. Uh, or, you know, I'm not getting fed or, or one thing or another happens or people have, have conflict. And, and sometimes these are people who have been in families where the brothers and sisters are fighting all the time. And yet when they come to the church, they expect that nothing is going to happen in the church and that everything is going to be good and everything is going to be right. And then when it's not, they use that as an excuse to stop following Jesus and stop attending church. Uh, and this happens a lot, and you probably know people who got offended because of some conflict or some disagreement or some issue in the life of the church, uh, and, and they left the church, and they said, well, I'll just follow Jesus, and I'll watch a TV evangelist or something like that to follow Jesus. And yet, 
These are things that they should never have been surprised about in the first place. In fact, I tell people, when they tell me about that, when they tell me about church conflicts or things like that, I say, well, how about that? That verifies that the Bible is true. The Bible is a great book because it does not present a rose-colored glasses view of human relationships and our behavior and what's going to happen in the world. The Bible actually tells us a very realistic view, gives us a very realistic view of humanity, even people in the church. And Paul is telling Timothy here that as the time goes on, in later times, Paul says, in the last days, that actually things in the church are going to get worse just as they also get better. In other words, both things are going to happen together. Paul does not tell us that the church is just going to go from strength to strength and mountaintop to mountaintop and, and there's not going to be any problems uh, and everything is going to be great. Paul tells us that even as the kingdom is, is advancing, even as Christians are dying, even as they are witnessing to Jesus, even as the sick are healed and the dead are raised and demons flee, that even as that happens, there will be trouble. There will be trouble. And the trouble in the church will actually increase as time goes on. And many of us can sometimes think that if God pours out his spirit and there's a massive revival in the church or a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that if God does that, that suddenly everything is going to be great in the church and we're all going to be singing Kumbaya and we'll be just happy and in love with each other. But history tells us that every time there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there's an increase of trouble in the church. The problem is that many times... People don't write about the difficulties they had. They just write about the good stuff that happened. But the truth is, there are difficulties that come with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right alongside the blessings that come and the advancement of God's kingdom. So Paul is telling us that it is time for trouble. And we need to expect trouble And when trouble happens, it should not offend us and cause us to fall away from Jesus, but it actually should confirm that what the Bible said is true and is trustworthy. And if the Bible is right about the the bad stuff, we can also trust that it's going to be right about the promises of God and the good things. So when we look at these passages, Paul is counseling Timothy, and he tells Timothy about the trouble, the difficulties that are going to come. And difficulties, trouble, it's, it's, it's the same kind of word there in the Greek. And there are three kinds of trouble or difficulty that we should expect to see in the later time and even as the Spirit is poured out. First of all, in 1 Timothy 4, Paul tells us that people will devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. People will devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. And we see this in the world today. There are so many deceptions 
that are being promulgated across the globe in the body of Christ that I couldn't even begin to mention them all. One of the biggest ones that's happened in the last uh, 15, 20 years has been something called open theism. And the idea of open theism is that God doesn't really know what's going to happen in the future, and God's not really in control of the future, that he leaves it open. And there are different varieties and different understandings of this, but it's actually unbiblical, and it's a teaching of demons. And I've seen people lose their faith and walk away from the gospel because of this. Uh, a big one that's still around, uh, that was really big in the 1980s and 90s, uh, in a lot of liberal Christianity, was something called the Christ Spirit. And the Christ Spirit teaching was that Jesus and the Christ are actually two. And Jesus the man was inhabited by the Christ Spirit, and that's why he became Jesus Christ and then was able to, to live his sinless life and everything like that and do all the stuff that he did because of the Christ Spirit. And Jesus the man died on the cross, but the Christ Spirit did not in, in all these kinds of things. Uh, and there are even people in the body of Christ that are actually listening to demons. I mean, there are big strategic level demonic spirits that are influencing Christians around. You know, one of the popular ones in, in recent years has been the spirit of Jezebel that people have talked about. But sometimes people are listening to demonic spirits thinking that they're the Holy Spirit. And we have to be careful. And Paul tells us this is going to happen. In the latter days, this is going to happen. There will be times of difficulty. There will be struggle. People are going to devote themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, there's a second kind of difficulty or trouble that's going to be happening. And I would summarize it like this. Uh, it's what Paul is saying here in 2 uh, Timothy chapter 3, that people will be radically self-centered. People will be radically self-centered, but they will have an appearance of godliness. I mean, Paul talks a number of things. He says people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. When Paul is telling Timothy about these people, He's not talking about people in the world. He's talking about people who will claim to be Christians. And how do, you, how do we know that? Because he says, among these people are those who creep into the household to capture weak women and weak men. I mean, they're equal opportunity capturers, by the way. Uh, and they're going to be doing these things and, and to, to lead them astray. And they just get disqualified with regard to the faith. So we know that Paul is talking about people in the body of Christ. That people in the body of Christ are going to behave this way. So it shouldn't surprise us when it happens. Disappoints us, but it shouldn't surprise us because it's going to happen. And sometimes people who have been close friends can start to behave this way. And hopefully we pray for them and ask the Lord to, to, to convict them uh, and uh, lead them out of this. But it's going to be increasing, and this kind of trouble is going to happen because these, are, these kind of people are there. So how can we tell if somebody is in this 
in this group. Well, there's three things. One, we need to listen to how they talk about themselves and how they talk about other people. People who fall in this category will always give themselves the benefit of the doubt. Oh, yeah, I sinned the other day, but uh, really the devil made me do it. Uh, But they'll always question somebody else's motives. Oh, that person, they, they didn't even say hi to me. They're being so rude. They're intentionally trying to disrespect me when maybe they didn't even see you. Uh, Or they'll be criticizing or slandering or talking down about other people. So listen to how they talk about themselves and about others. And also these people will be people who are being led astray by their passions, especially a passion for money. But these are people who are, all, you know, they seem to be going from one place to another place to another place. Or they get caught up in the latest fad or the latest idea or the latest conference. And their passions just kind of drive them and lead them from place to place uh, and not the Holy Spirit. And you can begin to see this. Uh, another and the final one, a big one, is that they're always learning, but they never seem to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. There comes a point in time, friends, in Christ, we grow up and we need to do the stuff. When you're a new Christian, you can say, feed me. But when you've been a Christian for 10 years, if you say, I'm not getting fed, whose fault is that? It's yours. You have that responsibility as you grow up. Uh, You know, if you get sick, if there's a demon... And you have to deal with the demon, and you're constantly going to your friends to say, oh, pray for me for this demon, then you're a baby. Actually, if you know who you are in Christ, you know you have authority over all the work of the enemy. So take that authority and do battle. Now be bold there. So if somebody's always learning, but they never grow up, they never arrive at a knowledge of the truth, there's an issue there. And then Paul says that the third kind of trouble is that people will turn away from the truth. These are not people who are necessarily following the doctrines of demons, but these are people, according to Paul here in in, uh, 2 Timothy 4, these are people who don't really want to go deep in what is really true with God. They don't go deep into the word of God. They, They don't try to base their lives on truth. Uh, especially if that truth is challenging to them. So they won't endure sound teaching. A lot of times these are people who say, wow, you know, that, that was a really entertaining sermon. I love that. But if, if you know, if, if the, the, there was any depth to the, the message, they're like, well, that's kind of boring or that's too heavy for me or something like that. So they don't have uh, this desire to endure sound teaching. Also, they tend to accumulate teachers that satisfy what they want to hear. And that has gotten big now with YouTube and, and the television and things like that. You can find a dozen teachers that will support your view of things, even if it's wrong. And so we have to be careful. The only antidote for that is to go deep into the truth. Uh, and these are people who tend to wander off into myths. And by wandering off into myths, uh, these are people who get who major on things that are minor and things that are relatively unimportant. I've seen this over the years. As many of you know, I've done a lot of spiritual warfare issues. I've taught classes in it, especially in strategic level spiritual warfare. Uh, and I know the reality of this. 
I know the reality of principalities and powers and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But I have seen some teaching that was just really, really crazy. Where somebody will pick a name out of the Old Testament and all of a sudden name a demon after that name and make up a whole mythology about how this demon operates. And I'm scratching my head and I'm saying, okay, uh, I don't see this anywhere in the scripture. I don't see it in the text. And, and it's, sometimes I see uh, it's a bit like the person who, who puts the arrow in the bullseye and then draws the circle around it to say this is the bullseye. You know, so they say, oh, this is the demon, and then they start identifying things that are going on that, you know, this is this demon. I'm saying, well, that could be lust, that could be mammon, that could be a whole lot of other things, and it could just be human sinfulness. Uh, why do you name a demon after it, and why give glory to Satan? And that's just one example of how people can wander off into myths and spend an awful lot of time developing rather complex teaching of things that really aren't that complex and really aren't that difficult. And it's something that we just need to get on with in living our life before the Lord. I remember all the way back in the, in the early 1990s, uh, when I was studying this at a doctoral level, uh, I wrote a paper about uh, what did Paul do in these things. And Paul, simply this, I can tell you, the one word secret to all spiritual warfare. One word, you can write it down, this, this is the key to winning the battle in every spiritual conflict. Obedience to Jesus. That's the key. And it's not that complex. It's just listening to the Lord. So Paul says that there's going to be this kind of trouble and we should expect, anticipate this kind of trouble. And when we see it, don't despair because of it, but know that the Bible said it's going to happen. Know that there are going to be people who follow deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Know that there will be people who will just be difficult people under the banner of Christ. Uh, and know that there will be people who simply do not really want to follow the truth. They don't want to really follow Jesus. They want to create a Jesus that they can follow in their own minds. And it's easy to follow the Jesus of your own creation. Because the Jesus of your own creation never says something like, hey, if you want to come after me, take up your cross and follow me. Or if he does say that, it's a little gold cross you can put around your neck. Not anything that involves suffering or difficulty. So as we are crying out for this outpouring of the Spirit, as we're expecting this outpouring of the Spirit, as we are in the fullness of time, we must expect this trouble to happen. And sometimes it's going to increase. So don't be surprised about it. Certainly don't be offended by it. And certainly don't use it to walk away from Jesus. Use it as something to walk to Jesus. Now thankfully, Paul also gives us some strategies here in how to deal with the trouble. And I'll just mention a few. It comes out in all these, these scriptures. I'll mention a few of these things. The first one uh, comes from First uh, Timothy. And I would say it like this. Receive life with thanksgiving. Everything created by God is good and is to be received with thanksgiving for it is made holy, it is set apart by the word of God and by prayer. As Christians, we need to embrace life. 
Life is good. It's great. It doesn't matter what trouble we're going through. It's good. The other day I was reflecting. I was sitting at home and thinking about, as you know, uh, the interminable uh, ongoing workers in our house, uh, which are making some progress this week. Hallelujah. We'll see how much. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like a wait and see. I'm from the Missouri, and Missouri initially is called the show me state. And so I'll believe it. I'll believe they're going to finish when I see them finish is kind of the, the way that that goes. But I was sitting in my, my office prayer room at the house. I was surrounded by boxes and, and pictures that we've yet to put up on the wall, feeling rather claustrophobic there. Uh, and I was feeling poorly. You know, I've been, been sick the last couple of weeks and just not feeling well at all. And so just grumpy and, and angry and all kinds of stuff there. And finally, I just kind of pulled myself up and say, yo, dude, at least you're not in a tent. At least you're not having to live in a cave. You got heat. You're living in the greatest city in the world. You have the greatest church in the greatest city in the world. Uh, get, get, get a hallelujah there. Yeah. Uh, you have the privilege of serving the best people in London. Okay. Uh, and, and, you know, I just started saying, thank you, God. And I am sorry for my bad attitude. And we need to embrace life. People need to see us as Christians living life to the full. That doesn't mean everything's going to go well. Sometimes we do that even in the midst of trouble, but we need to do that. And I think that's what Paul was telling Timothy there that we need to do. In 2 Timothy, one of the things he tells us to do about all these people causing all this trouble and stuff is to avoid them. Do you know it's okay to avoid people who are unpleasant, abusive, slanderous, and just downright jerks in the body of Christ. And you know there are some that are that way. And we need to avoid them. Hopefully they will get the message. Sometimes they don't. But one of the worst things we can do is start to try to placate people who are being slanderous and doing all those things that Paul said to try to make them happy, to try, because you'll never make them happy. If you try to placate an abusive person, you just make them more abusive. If you try to be a peacemaker with somebody who's slanderous, it's like throwing, uh, throwing uh, more wood on the uh, November bonfire. It just the flame burns higher. The best thing to do is just avoid them. And if they ask you, hey, are you avoiding me? You say, yes, I have been avoiding you because you're rather unpleasant right now. And you need to come to Jesus' session. And then offer to take them through the steps or something. Steps to freedom in Christ. Something to help them out. But you need to avoid these kind of people because you won't fix them, but they will bring you down all the time. And then Paul says some key things to Timothy there in chapter 4 of of, uh, 2 Timothy 2. But I want to focus on the last things that he said there. He tells Timothy, be sober-minded. That means keep a clear head and understand that sometimes bad stuff happens. Don't get panicked when you're going through times of difficulty And don't get too cocky when you're going through good times. But keep a clear head about the whole thing. 
Endure suffering. This is everybody's favorite, I know. You know, most people say to me, Rod, preach more sermons on suffering. Uh, and, uh, and I just say, you just got to endure it. Walk through it. I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, you know, if you find yourself going through hell, what should you do? Keep going. That's right. Keep going. Then be an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist, Paul says. This means tell people about Jesus. Talk about what Jesus means to you. You can talk about Jesus at work. You don't have to say, hey, if you don't come to Jesus, you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. You can come and say, hey, I've just had a great, great time with brothers and sisters in Christ on Sunday. Boy, we, we had a good fellowship time together. Or, wow, I, I've been going through a tough time, but I really feel God's presence with me through this time. There's a lot of little things like this that you can share just talking about yourself wherever you are. And just talk about Jesus. The more you talk about him, the more you tend to focus on him. And you talk about him not only with non-Christians, but you know what? We need to talk about Jesus with each other. Because we need to hear the gospel again for ourselves almost every single day. We need to be reminded every day that we're saved by grace through faith. And this faith even is a gift of God so no one can boast. And that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. These messages we need on an ongoing basis. And then finally, Paul tells Timothy here, and it's good encouragement in these times of trouble, fulfill your ministry. We all have a ministry. There are things that God wants you to do. Now, your ministry may not be in a church. It certainly may not be preaching to people. Your ministry might be what you're doing in the marketplace. Your ministry might be the social contacts you have around you in your neighborhood or your block of flats or on your estate. Your ministry may not be something that seems overtly religious. It might not be going around casting out demons and praying for sick people. It might be serving others who are in need. It might be exercising the spiritual gift of mercy or spiritual gift of helps. There's so many things that God has called us to do all around London, and it takes the Church of Jesus Christ fulfilling their ministry to see the kingdom of God advance. And so the key thing is to understand and ask God, okay, God, what is my ministry? Understand it, and then go about fulfilling it. Without comparing yourself to other people, and without worrying about everything else that's going on, fulfill your ministry. And I think as we engage in these strategies from Paul, they will help us to deal with the trouble that is in the world, in the body of Christ today, and also the trouble that will come with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that God is going to pour out his Spirit in a mighty way in London and across Europe. And I believe we're going to see thousands of people, if not hundreds of thousands of people, coming into the kingdom of God, following Jesus Christ. These things are going to happen. And the key thing to remember is that you can't prepare other people for what God is going to do. But you can get ready yourself. As you follow Jesus, as you follow the guidance of 
apostles like Paul, as you listen for the Holy Spirit and as you obey, you will be ready for the outpouring that is coming. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is trustworthy, that it is true, and that it is an encouragement to us even when things are tough and especially when we go through times of difficulty. We give you thanks and we give you praise. We thank you for the life that you've given us in your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, now as we go before you in worship, that you would meet us here in this place in the power of your spirit, that you'd speak to our hearts and encourage us and prepare us for all you want to do, not only in our lives, but in your church, in our city, and in our world. And we pray all this to the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.